Well, hello everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Front Row Network. Uh, we are the folks that love movies and love to talk about them. And uh, we have the crew from Beyond the Mouse here together today, which is awesome. So I'm your host for the day. My name's Craig. I'm here with Vanessa, Vanessa Ferguson. Ferguson. Wow. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. 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 And? Brett Rutherford. So we are the ones that are usually here talking to you about all things Disney, and so I guess it makes sense that we've hijacked full disclosure this month uh, to talk about the latest Disney Pixar movie, Incredibles 2. And I've got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to this discussion because, uh, spoiler alert, I really enjoyed this film quite a bit. And at the end, I think we it, it has to be done where we have to compare it to the original. Uh, so I'll save that for the end. But just an overall positive experience. Really glad that I got to get out to the theater this weekend to be able to see this film. And thank you to my D23 membership. So oh, I'm yes. the one that brought it up this wow. time. I'll clink the glasses. I guess it's not D23, <laughs> no, that's D23 Expo. Expo. Yeah. Oops, clink. Um, Sorry. But uh, we are, you know, one of the membership perks is that they have a bunch of different private screenings for D23 members. But if you're not in the Anaheim area or if you're not in the Orlando area or in the Chicago area or maybe in Boston or, or these major cities, it's difficult to actually go to set up a full screening for their members. So what they do is they send you some passes. And my pass would have been good for two tickets to any of the three movies, uh, Infinity War, Solo, or Incredibles 2. And since Incredibles 2 was the only one I could imagine my wife wanting to go see, I saved back those free tickets so we could go see it together. And, and she really enjoyed the film, too, and had a positive experience. But I'm excited to just get right into this and, and talk all about Incredibles 2. Um, it made $180 million this weekend. Estimation, that's the estimate on uh, Box Office Mojo. Just crushed the other uh, top-grossing opening weekend for an animated film, which was Finding Dory, that $135 million. So, I mean, it just really... <laughs> See, it seems like every time Disney puts out a movie, it, it crushes, like, the previous... Like, what... Can we just not like have one really, really big one that can't be beat? Like <laughs> everything's beatable. Well, anymore. that's the problem with. Uh, <laughs> that's why I keep thinking about Avatar. When you go back, and I mean, of course, we like Avatar. We like Pandora being at uh, Animal Kingdom in Orlando, but uh, that film ended up grossing two point seven billion dollars. And I truly, I mean, unless inflation continues uh, to grow as it will. I don't know if that's going to be a beatable film because of the way that uh, movies are put into theaters and then taken out almost immediately now. I mean, mm -hmm. if you look at it, like Black Panther was released. It had this amazing domestic run uh, in February. It was out for rental and for purchase in May. You know, so I mean, yeah. Infinity War just came out in May. I would imagine that they're going to put that out by August or September to purchase. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's and so so, fast. so it's hard for if you think about like a Titanic, which is the second top-grossing film, right mm -hmm. at two point one something billion. Um, it was in the theaters for over a year, yeah, legitimately right. yes. over fifty-two weeks in the theaters. So uh, it's just incredible to think about how quickly. Incredible. How many times am I going to say that this episode? <laughs> That's our new uh, drink. Clean. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and I can't say iconic in that. I can't, re, you know, uh, switch out the words there for Jeremy. <laughs> but what's 
crazy is how quickly the movie-going experience has changed. But yes, $180 million for an animated film, that shows that this movie had a lot to live up to. Uh, it had a lot of hype going into it, and I, I think that it accomplished its mission. But let's get right into talking about it uh, after we talk about the short that was put in before it. Because to me, that was part of the theater-going experience. Uh, and I really enjoyed the, the short that they put in front of it. So, uh, Vanessa, do you want to open up our discussion about uh, Bao? Yeah, sure. So are, are we allowed to talk about plot? In yes, this? this is all, I should say, warning to those of you that haven't been out there, full disclosure means full spoilers. So uh, we are assuming that you've seen the film. If you haven't seen the film, you should definitely hit pause and keep us in your feed and go back and listen to it after you go see this movie because you need to go see this movie. It's a wonderful film and we don't want to spoil anything for you if you haven't seen it. But that being said, we can start spoilers right now. All right, so uh, this is, the uh, Pixar short before Incredibles, and um, it, it kind of starts off with this, um, I'm assuming Chinese woman, um, I, I have relatives in Japan, and I wasn't seeing a lot of the uh, symbols um, uh, that I normally of where see. where it takes place. Yeah, of where it takes place. So um, this woman, and uh, she seems to be a little sad. She's preparing a meal for her husband, and they're uh, eating dumplings. He eats his really quickly. He goes to leave. And then she starts eating this dumpling, and it turns into a baby. Um, no, with the dumpling head. So <laughs> I, I'm baby just going to... Baby arms and, and legs. I'm going to in a very cute way. Yeah, in a very cute way. I'm going to preface this by saying there's been a lot of positive uh, remarks online about this short. I know a lot of people loved it. I'm, I might sound a little confused as about the whole plot. I was a little uh, taken aback. It seemed uh, it's different. It's very different. Um, so I guess, uh, long story short, she ends up raising this dumpling baby, and then he tries to leave as any child would, and she eats him. So this <laughs> no is, spoilers this, there. This is this is where I get confused. Now, of course, it turns out to be all a dream, as a lot of weird moments are in film. But um, and she has a real son who somewhat res- resembles, resembles a dumpling. dumpling. But yeah. um, uh, he's you know, his little dumpling. So they, cute. Yeah, they connect. She's she's obviously sad that he's leaving with his girlfriend, and 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 that's why she's manifesting these dreams. And it's and then they have a very sweet moment. But um, I'm really interested to hear your guys' thoughts because for me as a whole, it, it it I liked it. It didn't quite have the the sentimental. Um, or, or even I don't know. I don't want to say beauty. Your heart like it's some yeah. Of the it didn't do. tug at my heart at, like some of the other shorts do. Mm-hmm. I was really startled when she ate him. It just was very odd to me. So um, the eating him thoughts. was the eating him was like the only part that I haven't really gotten. Like I've been breaking down this short Digested. ever since I saw it. Digested, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're, we're so on it with the puns today. Um, <laughs> Sorry, and it, it's that's. So I want to set that aside, but like the meaning of the way that I see uh, the beginning where she's making the dumpling and then her husband is rushing off to work or wherever and not really paying attention to it. I found like a weird, you know, a lot of people that are in relationship troubles 
seem to think that maybe one of the ways to get out of that is to have a kid. And so, mm-hmm. like, I, I read into that mm-hmm. really deeply there and, like, um, that maybe this baby will solve all of our problems kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I almost kind of got that sort of a vibe from the beginning Ooh, of it. Interesting. Um, now, that th- that's only in hindsight because, mm-hmm. of course, seeing it first off, I had no idea where the story was going. But, like, thinking back on it now and then um, just seeing that, that dumpling, that child, as we know now, grow is really interesting. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, hit, uh, particularly hit Anna on an emotional level, because I did notice well, the that she had tears yeah, in her maybe. eyes after she was done. And she said it was, uh, you know, just an absolutely <laughs> incredible short. But it was, it was interesting how uh, dark and matter-of-fact it was for a uh, Disney Pixar audience, you know, because I always put it up to, like, the, the short that I loved the most was in, in front of Inside Out, uh, Lava. And I loved Lava a mm-hmm. lot. I loved the song. I loved all of that. And this is so brilliant in a totally different way from that kind of a story, you know. But the, the eating him is the thing that I didn't quite understand. I guess that mm-hmm. is that supposed to be showing that she's going to do whatever she can to control him? I don't know. Like... Brett, what do you think about mm-hmm. all this? Oh, wow. Well, first of all, if I may go back, I thought that you know the character that was in front of us um, turned out to be a female character, a mom sort of person, because um, she was rather, well, the character was rather uh, not specifically gendered, at least in my mind to begin with. Um, I, thought it was, I thought it was like you know a, a son and his dad. But then it clearly became, you know, so so I put that out of my head, mm-hmm. you know, kind of quickly there. But I was a little confused by that just because of the way the character was, uh, anyway, the drawn or the way it was conceptualized. Um, yeah, the whole devouring of the uh, the dumpling was, you know, just a question. But I think it was. I'm, so, I'm so, well. Once we have di- completely digested <laughs> the meaning of that, <clears throat> um, we can maybe take a look. But it's just you know some sort of some sort of um, a, 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 a metaphor of a larger sort of scope that we have yet to completely discover. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have an I- an idea, audience people, and comment below. <laughs> yeah, tell us how big of idiots we are. No, for I'm not like, like no, it was, it was the symbolism was completely blah blah. blah this the bit. the only thing, and, and it's really interesting to see hear your perspectives, especially um, Anna's perspective, because I don't have kids, but I am the uh, wife of someone who's international, and I have mm-hmm. an international family. So it was very interesting to me to see this. Uh, you know, blonde-haired, big-eyed, like, who is this woman coming in, (laughs) stealing my son, showing me her bling ring? Like, that was really funny to me because I'm like, well, I've been in that position before. (laughs) And then at the end when... She's making dumplings and they uh-huh. all fought. I mean, I kid you not, I was making zelnik, which is a uh, um, Eastern European dish, on front of Skype and having my in-laws be like, "Oh, like, that's awesome! Oh, it's no, you know, like telling me how great I am." And I'm like, "Wow, like, wow, that's a connection." Yeah, so that's that awesome. that's the piece that was um, was interesting oh, cool. for me. So. Um, so maybe with wherever you are in life, you'll be able to take something away from this I think, well, that's, short. That's I think that's the way all of the Pixar shorts are. You know, they they're 
they're very general in their language if there is any, you know, dialogue. Mm-hmm. Generally, at all. there's not a ton I can't dialogue. remember one that, that has. Other that. than like Lava has a very, I mean, that's the whole song and blah, blah, blah. But, but for the most part, they normally don't love, have much like, dialogue. Feed, you know, For the Birds is one of my favorites. Uh-huh. You know? But anyway, yeah. But that's this, um, um, the whole connection between, yeah, between mother and son and moving off and all this, because I experienced that. So you just kind of see what the mom feels like that and I'm like going, gosh, why did I do that? Yeah, sure. but do you think, um, <laughs> I guess potentially a critique, and I don't necessarily hold this critique, but just for discussion purposes, was it too much for in front of a kid's movie? I don't know. I mean, nowadays, uh, the, the things that I think aren't necessarily appropriate for kids and then and what they're able to understand, it's just, I mean, their kids are brilliant. So yeah. I, I, I think they can definitely take something away from the shorts. So. And if they don't, maybe it'll just be over their head a bit. And yeah. And they'll, you know, uh, the animation, they still had some funny moments in there, like when they were playing soccer and uh, the dumpling, his head kind of got, like, crushed yeah. in or whatever because he's just dough, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so there were still some funny moments uh, that went on. I think from time to time, um, I don't know, is Pixar going to have any releases prior to next year's Oscar season? No, I don't believe. No, there are, no, yeah, because Wreck-It Ralph is Walt Disney I Animation. Think, I think at times they're there since they won so many Oscars. Sometimes it's kind of an Oscar grab, mm. um, you know. So because I can't, you know, so I they, mean, they they work they walk a very fine line between a very oh, large appealing to a very large audience and being um, since they have elevated. Animation and they've and and won so many Oscars. I think that they uh, they tend to um, be rather um, let's see. Well, they um, they are rather overt in their uh, Oscar grabs. I think hmm, you know. Yeah, I could see that. And I mean, it, this is obviously going to be. Nominated for best animated yeah. short feature. I mean, like I and well deserved because it was you know I, mean, I I thought it was completely well done and it was international in flavor. I thought yeah. oh flavor, and uh, and I also I loved the music. I also enjoyed the credits. Mm-hmm. You know how mm-hmm. how because it was yeah. again it was a family sort of yeah. thing. Um, and uh, the whole I think both of those I think it works well in concert with. Incredibles because and it, and it took place over Father's Day, you know. So mm-hmm. it could have been a Mother's Day, it could have been any sort of holiday, but it was kind of this family thing. So mm-hmm. yeah. So okay. anyway, don't eat children. Don't eat your children. Don't eat your children. That is the message from Val. <laughs> so let's move into the Incredibles and let's talk about some first impressions. Uh, Brett, you saw this film twice, so I'm going to let did. you go twice or twice. I'm going to let you go first uh, because you've seen it twice in the opening weekend, which is just. Uh, in a word. Well, within 24 hours, Incredible. I saw it. Yes. I <laughs> so let's, uh, what were you going to say? I, was, I feel like we need a quick, like, music change. Like, if we could just interject the theme to think we're da 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 da
soundtrack because I love Elastic Girl soundtrack. Okay, Absolutely. You're a, you are a huge soundtrack guy. Did you get it on iTunes right away? Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm the yes. iTunes Short the answer, iTunes yes. monthly thing. Uh huh. I'm like going. Oh, well, you bought it, baby. You might as well listen the to music it. You know, so. Well, I would yeah, say that true. you generally you told me I think on the first podcast you came on uh, for Moana you said I can judge a movie based on whether or not I need to go and listen to the soundtrack immediately. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe that's that true. maybe that uh, speaks to what you feel about this film. But let's yes. talk about your first impressions and maybe your second impressions. Okay, I saw did. I had first impressions and second second impressions. First, I saw it in IMAX. Which was beautiful and lovely and wonderful. I enjoyed it. Okay. But when I was watching it the first time, I was comparing and contrasting with uh, Incredibles 1. And after having viewed it and then viewed it the second time, um, I enjoyed Incredibles 2 watching it the second time more than I liked it the first time. Now, do I like Incredibles 2 more than Incredibles 1? Hmm, I'm not, I don't know if I'm there yet, but there was, I don't know if I'm there yet. That's not Um, what we whispered about at the end. I thought you said you liked it better than the first. No, I said I liked watch, I liked watch, oh oh, yeah, we, full disclosure, we, we went to a five dollar nine cent movie, and then we went together. It was our first Disney experience together, it was kind of fun, okay. Anyway, but so, you, uh, so it's you're not there yet, though. No, I enjoyed watching Incredibles two more the second time I watched it. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I knew that this podcast was coming up, so I was paying extra attention. So <laughs> I could speak. Uh, anyway, well, um, and that's not happening. Anyway, so uh, but yeah, I'm, I really enjoy I enjoy the aesthetic. Um, of both films, because they're you know they they carry the same sort of aesthetic. Um, the thing that I the thing that was um, kind of created um, noise in my head as far as the second one is that the technology has advanced since in the last fourteen years, and so the the look of the characters from number one was different than number two, and it happens and and no years pass, nothing happens there. Mm-hmm. It, it's a continuation of that, and I found it interesting that they chose to to uh, to make the the characters look different um, and that was a little disconcerting to me the first time the, I watched the characters it. look different they well look different. in a in a to me it was not it was just more of a technologically advanced way I than know, it but was. I'm like going, it happened right afterwards. That gave me noise, which you should never give your audience noise. Things Fair. other things to think about. So. Fair. Wow. So yeah. Vanessa, talk I, about your first impressions. Well, can I just say that I feel like I didn't even watch this movie now because you guys are talking about the hidden Mickeys you saw. Uh-huh. I watched. We the, did. I rented the first one on Friday night and watched the second, the, the Incredibles two Saturday morning. I didn't notice any change, so apparently <laughs> my perceptions are a bit skewed. But um, I really liked it. I, I So the reason I had to watch the first Incredibles because I wasn't sure that I actually had seen it all the way through or not. I think I may have been on my 
phone or whatever when it was playing. Um, so I liked that film. I liked this one better, and maybe it's because I was just more invested in these characters, having just watched them, um, knowing that you guys all really like it. You know, I, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to join on the <laughs> bandwagon. Oh, um, Your I opinions did. are valid as well. I, I did really like this film. I, I liked it better than the first one. So that's my, that's my initial impression. Okay. Well, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to gush all over Brad Bird because Mm -hmm. I don't know when in this podcast episode we're going to get to that. So (laughs) my first impression is this guy is just such a a good director, a good writer to be able to put these stories together that just flow seamlessly from one to the other to have that scene. I mean, it really just ties up to the underminer coming out and them going to the, the track meet and everything else. Like, uh, it was such a, a unique way to do it since we had a 14-year time span to say, nope, there was no jump in time. And maybe other than the improved technology of the animation and maybe a little bit of Craig T. Nelson being close to 70 now uh, came through a little bit in his voice, I thought. Um, but, you know, it, it just, to me, was... A, a great theater going experience, really enjoyable. Um, but just talk about like some of the some of the some of the stories that Brad Bird has brought to us, uh, including Ratatouille and including The Iron Giant, which is thought of as one of these amazing pieces of animated film. If you haven't seen The Iron Giant, well worth going back and checking out. I'll but go do that. Then I will. Uh, I well, it's not a Disney animation, so that's probably know, why you didn't check yeah, it out. Yeah, that's probably why. Initially. And I will, to the, my dying day, defend him in Tomorrowland. I really, really, that's probably. Get the arsenic. That's anyway. probably my guilty, <laughs> maybe that should be my guilty pleasure with Lou uh, to talk about Tomorrowland. But um, just absolutely love him as a director. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Obviously, John Lasseter is out. We haven't talked about that news on the podcast, but um, maybe perhaps this is someone that could be looking at replacing him. Uh, But what I loved about this film, I I talk about it during The Incredibles a lot, that The Incredibles, to me, was the best Fantastic Four story ever told, uh, if you put them in that Marvel kind of universe. And this was a brilliant follow-up to that. And having... Uh, being a parent, uh, I related so much to the experiences that they were going through. Not necessarily the teenage angst, because I haven't experienced <laughs> that. But particularly Jack-Jack was just such a great um, character and brought so much to the story. And those late nights uh, when Baby is, is brand new and doesn't figure out when they should be going to sleep and all of this... Uh, it just really hit on several notes for me, and I really enjoyed uh, this film quite a bit. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive right into some of the favorite scenes that we have. Generally, on full disclosure, we go in and talk about individual actors, but I want to get more of a perspective on some scenes that you enjoyed, and then from there, we can talk about some of the voice acting that went along with it. So, Vanessa, I'll let you go first. All right. Well, I I think the really star of this whole movie is Jack-Jack and his superpowers. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So hysterical. 
And um, it's funny, too, because, you know, full disclosure, he has multiple superpowers. So it was just like I'm on the edge of my seat wondering what else can this baby do? And every time he does something insane. Um, so he, he wrestles a raccoon. And because don't we all? And uh, it's just it's so hys hysterical. And, you know, sometimes maybe you're watching a, a, a cartoon like that and you get a little anxiety, like what's going to happen to this baby? I know, like. You know, like watching Tom and Jerry and stuff or Looney Tunes, you mm -hmm. might, may have a little anxiety in these fight scenes. But this was just so adorable and funny that it was just, oh, it was such a well-done scene. I really enjoyed uh, how they incorporated all his different powers into this this fight scene. It was so great. I just love the tie-in to it, too, how, like, Dad is asleep on the couch, and so he's watching, like, an old-time, like a, well, not an old-timey necessarily, because we're going to talk about the time setting of this in a little bit. I know, Brett, you're really interested in that. Um, but uh, the, like, you see the burglar with the mask, and so the yeah. raccoon, yeah. raccoon kind of looks like the burglar, and he's out there stealing the trash and stuff. So it's just a, it was just a really cool way to give Jack-Jack just this it's like a five-minute scene, but it's brilliant. I mean, it is so funny, and so you you get to see all those powers yeah. without them having to really explain uh, for later parts in the movie when he essentially saves the day. Um, you don't have to be like, oh no, though no, he had that. You know, like you know, like it explains almost all of that without any explanation mm -hmm. at all. Which, again, just a stroke of great writing um, when it comes to uh, Brad Bird and what he put together with this film. So, uh, I agree. That was one of Although, one of the best scenes. I was slightly rooting for the raccoon when he's tied up in the lawn chair. <laughs> I know. Oh yeah, the that was kind of like. Yeah, I'm like, like, oh my gosh, this raccoon's gonna die. Oh, the raccoon. <laughs> this oh poor God. raccoon. Uh, it's gonna die. Oh well. Okay. Well, here it comes. Yes, the scene that we saw at D twenty three Expo was in fact that scene. Oh, <laughs> oh nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So that did was... it? What did that do for an? I don't know if I would have picked that scene to show all of you because I I don't know that. I guess I it guess it didn't give away an any plot points. It was enough of and, an introduction and. But it was just so funny when it came out because yeah. that was probably in like the the end of the first act going into the second act of the movie mm -hmm. and. To me, it was just brilliant. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was how the audience reaction. Um, uh, they loved it. It was D twenty three Expo. Clink. Awesome. <laughs> so. Now we know. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wonderful. Do you have any additional comments on that particular scene, or on do we want to talk about? No, some I'm ready for whenever you're when you're wanting to move on to the star of the show, at least in <laughs> my estimation. This is uh, just this is your world, Brett. We're just living in it. No, so no, let's no, talk no, about no. Some of your scenes that you really enjoyed. Well, as far as I'm concerned, it's always about Edna Mode. <laughs> <laughs> the Edna Mode scene, so, played yeah. by Brad Bird. Played we by Brad say. Bird. Which I looked at you and during the film, I was like, "So that's that's Brad Bird," and you're like, "Yeah." And I just get the feeling that he's one of those guys that's just good at everything, and you're just mm -hmm. super jealous of mm -hmm. him all the time. He did other voices too. He wasn't credited for other voices. Too. He probably has like a rock star comic book collection. I just want to be his friend, <laughs> <laughs> Brad. Just his, let me be your friend. Yes. His voice acting for Edna Mode is so good. Yep. But Brad, uh, Brett, tell us oh. about Brad and his and how and he played Edna, Edna, Mode Edna Mode and what you loved about the scenes. Wow. Um, let's see. What? Well, uh, Edna Mode has become, even though she's in just a short amount of time, mm -hmm. 
you know, which is probably probably about as much of Edna as we really need. But but I want an origin story. So if you hear that, Brad, anyway, okay, uh, maybe make that a short. Anyway, um, it was just another visit again with uh, with Edna and her world and her um, her brilliance and her style and uh, you know and now she's an auntie sort of thing. So she babysits um, Jack Jack when. Um, uh, when Mr. Incredible is needing, uh, is, is, is having a, a little bit of a hard time uh, with the baby schedule and needs is a needing a little break. So, and, well, you know, was needing a little suit for uh, the little Jack-Jack <laughs> because of all of his uh, emerging talents, shall we say. So, uh, so it was just great to see them. And, and it was great to see the, the relationship between Jack-Jack and Edna Mode, you know. So that was, that was uh, wonderful. So I enjoyed it. So... You know, that's... And that scene is cool because, like you said, it, it just sprinkles on enough Edna... Just enough Edna. ...for yeah. us. And um, she, what's hilarious about that is it's totally true that your kid could not sleep for, like, 72 hours, and then you take them over to Grandma's house, <laughs> and they're out for, like, eight hours. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they slept through the night, and yeah. you're just like, they did what? What? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> so um, it's, it's just really funny. But I liked... Uh, you know, how you got to see, again, ex- sort of an explanation, non-explanation of all of his powers, and that this suit is uh, ready and able to, um, to be used by him. My question is, why not the Incredible lo- Incredibles logo on the suit? What do you think about that? You know, he, he, was, he never had, maybe towards, I don't know, I can't remember the end of the movie exactly, but during the major fight scenes, during Edna, is it just because he's a baby or whatever? But... It was. It must have been a choice that they didn't. It's the same costume, just without the Incredibles logo on it. Hmm. Well, I, I have to go watch it again. Again, Thank I you. miss the hidden Mickey's. I, I missed <laughs> a lot of things, so I'm not at all surprised that I would have missed that too. Yeah, so I did not. I don't go back. I just I wonder. I mean, yeah. it, I guess maybe they don't want the to make the assumption. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe they make the assumption that the baby's going to be fighting immediately or something. I don't know. <laughs> no. Like. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I did think that that was kind of a weird thing. Um, but yeah, her scene was just spot on it's, and just perfect. It's actually Edna Mode's world, and we're just living in it. <laughs> I love when they're walking down the hall, and and the baby's got the sucker, and he's just oh yes. the, the look on his face is so funny. And she's like, "Of course, we had a good night, darling." Like yes. he's highly intelligent. You know, it's yes. oh my gosh, it's just so it's perfect. Make sure you watch his brilliant. face in that sink. It's so funny. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what is it? And I'm a creative genius, so we get yes, along. Yeah, well. so we get along perfectly <laughs> on And then, and the baby's just looking at him like, "Well, of course, of course, yeah. we do." Oh, oh you, my Vanessa, gosh, you so were wanting funny. what? You were wanting the Edna Mode bag? Oh yes. And there needs to be notice, merch. We need Edna yes. Mode merch. Edna Call Mode duty, Call duty and merch. Are the O and the D, and I'm like, oh, I'm living for that bag. What I, I loved that about bag. that, uh, I probably have mentioned this before, but we were really into Project Runway for a long time, and it reminded me of the mood bags. Oh, sure. <laughs> I was like, yeah. that's pretty perfect. So, yeah. I like that Well, there little. was a short. Um, there is a short as Edna Mode as a, um, as a designer, and then there's all these iconic, either fashion nistas or fashion designers um, that comment about working with Edna Mode and what an honor it was. So, have you seen that? No, I haven't. I gotta yeah. go back and check that out. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. So um, 
I would say that my favorite scene uh, is kind of a collection of scenes. I guess I'm cheating, but it, I'm hosting. It's fine. Um, but <laughs> I have another one, but go ahead. Yeah, and we'll go, we'll go around another yeah. round for sure. Um, but just all of the uh, interactions of uh, Bob being a dad. I just really yeah. enjoyed all of those scenes because it's, um, you know, like it's this like weird so people w- were seeing the trailers and saying, oh, they're just doing, like, the role reversal thing, you know, mom's going to work and dad. But, like, that is becoming more and more of a reality. And you, like, as a dad, there's not a ton of resources out there when you're first uh, becoming a dad. Um, there's all these mommy blogs, stuff like that. And then you, like, get the jokes, like, uh, oh, dad's just, like, babysitting the kids as opposed to, like, no, it's just dad you know that kind of thing um he's parenting so but uh i thought that craig t nelson in those scenes uh just had that exhaustion and that um just trying to do well and just messing up at every turn down to a t it was really well uh executed and well written uh the scenes that he's trying to help violet you know get with the boy and be able to go back on the date because of the the her mind or her boyfriend's mind not her boyfriend yet her dates dates uh mind being erased and so he takes her takes to the um the happy platter (laughs) and it's just like that's such a great scene like so funny that uh the water immediately just comes gushing out of her nose and she's like no dad no and he just makes everything worse by trying to be the best dad that he can um, but then, you know, the payoff to that is that the kids realize that, and that's kind of what ultimately saves the day is them as a family. And mm-hmm. it's just a really cool payoff to a lot of hard work going into it. Um, and I really enjoyed just that whole arc of Bob the parent, because the whole time he's going, I want to be out there, I want to be doing this, and I can't. And he's jealous, you know, the, mm-hmm. the clips of... Uh, Elastigirl saving the monorail, which it's funny that it's a monorail. Um, but, you know, then he's getting really jealous of that. And he is able to kind of put that on the back burner and say, no, I got to be here for my family. This is the best thing for my family right now. So really appreciated that storyline. And it was really cool uh, to see it executed so well. Well, actually, and kind of adding to that... Um, I, I just mentioned like 12 scenes, by the no, way. No, well, so, I really liked the the... Violet and Bob scene where he is, you know, apologizing to her, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that was Heartfelt. a big thing. Yes, extremely. And then she, and she got it immediately. She wasn't an angsty teen right for that moment. She knows, my gosh, you know, he's trying really hard and this is really sweet. And you're super, you know? Yeah. I mean, that was just... And it was on Father's Day weekend, so, you know, that was nice. It was on Father's Day Could have been on Day Mother's weekend. Day weekend, too, but it was... And I mean, up to the trailers, I, it's funny because I didn't put that all together. I didn't put that it was Father's because I don't know if in the trailers they actually said like releasing Father's Day weekend or whatever. That just, but um, it was obviously from the trailers a story about this family and this dad in particular. But at the same time, it was I just didn't put two and two together until we were like leaving the theater. I was like, oh, Father's Day is tomorrow, so that was just kind of a nice thing. I also like that it wasn't a Mr. Mom sort of thing. Right. You know, it, there was, they didn't go there. They went to, you know, he's exhausted. You know, he, yes, the tables are turned a bit this time around. 
Um, he's slightly uncomfortable with that and then gets his groove. And then there's a time when, you know, after he, all he needed was sleep. Yeah. And he, you know, he stepped up to the plate and learned new math and apologized for the situation with his daughter and, you know, was it, was mm-hmm. it, he, it, I guess all parents need are good with sleep. <laughs> That's absolutely the case. <laughs> but you know what's, what's, you bring up a really good point because this is universal in that it could have been Elastigirl watching them and be going through the same kind of trials and tribulations. So they didn't do the, oh, Bob is trying to learn how to use he, a vacuum for yeah, the first never, time you know, or trying to learn how to cook. It, you know? Like these awful stereotypes of yeah, like we've uh, how past that. we're... Please. No kidding. Like, uh-huh. So it's cool that... Dads um, really do this and they've been doing it for a while and maybe even longer than we think, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I feel like, but single parents can relate sure. to that character. Uh, you know, like I think single moms could probably relate to that exhaustion and trying to just do everything you can for your kids and not really having that help to uh, just allow you to take like a six hour nap or 17 hour nap or whatever (laughs) that he ends up taking but um, you know like that's that's a really good point Brett that it wasn't like it wasn't Mr. Mom it was uh, very much just a single parent in that instance trying to do what's right for his kids so really great story arc Vanessa, you want to go with another scene? Um, well, all right. Um, I'll have to um, think of. Can we do? Can we do scenes that we didn't particularly care for? Now? <laughs> well, well, we'll get there. But I think Brett had a couple. Let's. let's did let's, I? Did you say that you had another scene you wanted to mention? Well, it was it was specifically the oh, okay. Violet and Bob scene. Um, well, then let me talk about one more oh. character that I really enjoyed because I liked her. Uh, entry into the almost to the Incredibles universe or whatever. I really like the character of Void because she was a cool character in that um, she really enamored Elastigirl and really looked up to her. And then she had the coolest power, right? Like those mm-hmm. portal things. Like it reminded me of the video game portals and like our portal. And it just like it was such a cool use of that power throughout the entire movie. Um, it was kind of Dr. Strangey in a way as well. It was just really neat. And I liked, um, uh, who was the voice actor there? Because her voice... Sophia Bush? Oh, okay. And yeah, she did a wonderful job uh, presenting that character and that uh, enamored nature that she had. And then, of course, when Screenslaver uh, has enslaved them um, with screens, uh, kind of on the nose there with the name, but uh, Screenslaver. Screenslayer. Is it Slayer? I think it's Slaver. I think it's, well, on the soundtrack, <laughs> it's Slayer. Is <laughs> so it really? Sorry not to. I know. thought the whole time it was Screenslaver. It's Slaver. Well, then it's wrong on, it's wrong, well, sorry. Well, we gotta send that into iTunes, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's Elastic. Oh, all the way through Really enjoyed Void, and I enjoyed some of the other side characters mm-hmm. as well. But for whatever reason, I really liked her, and I would love to see a little short with her. You know, like one of her little adventures as well. So, oh, uh, I was wrong. Sorry, you're right. <laughs> fair, fair. Probably good that so Disney sorry. Have their own. So sorry, I apologize. apologize. Their own soundtrack, right? You would think. So then, let's go ahead and jump into the things that we maybe didn't enjoy as much in the movie or didn't quite work for us, and we'll start with Vanessa. Okay, so one thing about this film was I felt like it was a little predictable about of the plot. We knew, at least I knew pretty early on that um, this the the two that were investing in Elastigirl, 
one of the two or both yeah, were going kinda... to be behind all these these um, crime that with the Elastigirl's fighting. Um, that that seemed pretty clear, and I knew exactly who it was when uh, the character Evelyn says, "Oh, I'm not the genius. I'm just the genius behind the genius." And it's like, okay, so she's behind. She's the real screen slaver, and th- that's what this whole plot is. So I, w- I wish it, it. I don't know what I would have done differently, Brad. I'm sorry. I, I'm not a genius, yeah. but I, I just felt like that was a. I wish it wasn't so predictable. Right, and I, I think it's because we've had a string of movies since Frozen, probably where the good guy, Prince Charming, um, investor, all that turns out to be the bad guy. It, I don't know if, like, because I definitely had it figured out as well, um, especially when they took off the guy's mask and he was the pizza delivery guy. At yeah, that point, that you're, was like, very obvious. you're like, oh, okay, I know where this is going. But um, I, I don't know, because I don't know that it distracted from the movie for me too much, because... I don't, maybe I'm just conditioned this way because the MCU hasn't had the best villains uh, before, but I think that a, a movie can be really well done and really good without necessarily the greatest of villains. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And not to say that Evelyn wasn't a great villain. Um, we can definitely discuss that too, but uh, I, I thought it was interesting that it was very predictable mm-hmm. and there wasn't really a turn there, but... Maybe that wasn't important to him when he was writing it. I don't know. Yeah. But I completely agree with you. I mean, it's, it doesn't take away from that it's a very charming, fun movie, and I, and I liked it better than the first one, but I just that was the one thing that kind of stood out to me is, um, hmm, I already know where this is going, so I guess I'll just enjoy the ride until the end. So. Yeah. I just... What are your I didn't know on which that? I didn't know which one because I'm like going something is going on here. I thought it would be. I, Bob I thought Oldenburg. it was. I thought it was both of them. I thought they were yeah. both. You know, and then you know, then it wasn't. But um, yeah, but there's a when they introduce, uh, and I also thought it was probably her when he's talking about his parents, and she says, "Or they oh, could sure, have gone yeah. to the safe room that right. was built for." And yeah, I was like, was "Oh, okay, so clear. she has a grudge. She's probably and a bad guy." Axe to grind them. And the manifesto. That's you know, that's kind of underscores the whole um, Alaska girl looking for screen, screen slaver there. Sorry, so 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 sorry to interject something that is incorrect. I try not to do that, um, but you know, I mean, because that was underscoring, and it was very interesting to watch it the second time is to listen to this manifesto of you know, uh, of, you know, why what's wrong with the world, which is interesting because. You know, I think of the I think of Pixar movies as sort of you know as a from a futurist sort of uh-huh. you know because I'm like going Wally with you know the people that are with screens you know I mean and that took place at a time when cell phones were a, a thing but that wasn't it wasn't everyone's life the way it is now and then this you know so screen slaver. But the manifesto is, is an underscoring, which you really need to... I, I want to see that script and see what they say, because yeah. I'm like going, yeah, you know, I this, think this I... is future telling here, you know? I'm like going, we've got to be careful. And I thought this film was so political. Yeah. I'm and... just like going all over the place political. Mm-hmm. I'm like going, you know, yeah. we can tell... Oh, well, you know. Definitely Violet's, Violet's, you know, um, 
her lines at the end, but we'll probably uh, get oh, to that. Oh, because you're you know. rich and... Yes. Uh-huh. You'll, you'll, you'll get, get a slap, a slap on, on the wrist, yeah. which was just as a throwaway. Yeah, that, and that whole uh. scene where Elastigirl's chasing, like, the, I don't know, the feed to try to find screen slaver, and there's this, like, monologue. Yeah, and that I, was after, that was, Yeah, you know, that's, this... that's what to look for. So if, if, if you go again, really listen to what they're saying, because they're talking about screens and being addicted to your screen. And I remember afterwards, I was like, Brett, did you get what they were yes, saying? I didn't like, hear all of it. I only I heard know, I'm like going... <laughs> Yeah, well, it's this underscoring, so it's like it's like subliminal. I'm like going, yeah, you're not even I'm like paying going, attention to it. Really, attention attention which is really it, interesting is, when you think about it, because that's yeah. the point they're getting at yeah. is that yeah. we're missing this important information because we're watching what's on screen. Yeah, it's just Ooh. really. Oh, I have chills. Right? I have chills. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, I'm like going. Well, if we go back, did you ever? Did you recently see the picture after the 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 royal wedding? There was this picture of three people in front, you know, front of their their cell phones videotaping this thing and you know as the couple went by this thing I'm sorry as the couple went by and there was an uh, an older woman who did not have her phone in front of her who was actually experiencing just, it just yeah. enjoying you know? it yeah you're gonna get a I'm million like pictures this is that goes back to our tips episode for Disney you know you're you gonna know. get a million pictures you can see the best quality of every fireworks show ever imaginable mm-hmm. on YouTube just experience it and yeah. it's a really interesting take for one of the largest corporations, entertainment corporations in the world, <laughs> right. to say, hey, maybe you should, you know, look away from us every now and then. It's kind of an interesting uh, position to at least subliminally, subliminally take uh, from a Disney point of view. Um, by the way, sir, talking about message movies, and you didn't like Zootopia, but you liked Wall-E, that <laughs> stupid robot that... <laughs> <laughs> that just pounds you with a message all the time. Anyway, I'm going to move on. I, I wondered if you were going to bring that up when uh, you said... <laughs> Zootopia is too message-heavy. When the antagonist of, of WALL-E are fat people in chairs that they don't want to get up from. Anyway. Well, that's a, anyway. That's, a, that's a very interesting observation. There. <laughs> I'll ponder it. <laughs> so, uh, my... Uh, well... Brett, did we get to... We are equating Zootopia with WALL-E. I don't think so. Okay. Back. Back into the present. I honestly can't even remember where we started with that. that, uh, Was that a Brett gripe or was that a Vanessa gripe about About Zootopia? No, I'm sure it was Oh, it was a a a Brett Brett gripe. I was just making sure. Okay. uh, So my uh, thing that didn't work quite well for me is uh, my film was supposed... It was scheduled to start at 310. Um, knowing that there are in the theater probably 85% of the theater are kids, um, somewhere in the ages of like we had two year olds to, you know, up to 18 year olds, and there was a lot of them. Starts at 310. Previews are 22 minutes, I think I saw in my watch, mm-hmm. which is fine. They're all like these awful animated features coming out, oh, which, by the way, horrible. side note, uh, Hotel Transylvania 3, which is a DreamWorks production, totally stole the Disney Cruise Line ship for their cruise. Uh, it's got, like, the fireworks on board. It looks exactly like a Disney Cruise Line ship. What's I mean, this? anyway, go back and watch that trailer, and Anna and I were like, is this a Disney? No, we didn't have that. We didn't oh, you have didn't have that? that? No. Oh, okay. oh, but we had some real Real standards. We, had, <laughs> we was like Transformers of every kind. Yeah. yeah. Like going, and yeah. then some awful animated, ugh, I can't even talk about it. 
get my mind off of it. All it was right. horrible. Move on. So <laughs> that's going on. I don't see how to train a dragon, whatever it is. Oh, no, not that one. one. Not that that's that Robin Hood okay. That's going or, or on. Or not Robin Hood, Robin Batman thing. Ugh, so oh, yeah. <laughs> and then after that's done, we get a message from the cast and Brad Bird, which I felt was unnecessary. Yeah. And it was yeah. about two minutes long of the creative process and kind of apologizing for the movie taking so long, but like, who cares at that point, you know, right? right? And so then, especially after, after 20 minutes, done, I want to see the movie. Yeah. So then after that's done, this wonderful short film that we all gushed over at the beginning of this starts. So my 310 movie, which is two hours long, started at 348. So when you think Whoa. about it, like, that is a lot of time to tack on to a two-hour movie. So kids were starting to get really antsy about an hour and a half into all this. And, um, you know, they needed to get up. They needed to go. And, like, I don't blame them because usually your standard Disney uh, movie is about an hour and a half total. So I, what didn't work for me, and I get that they can't do anything about the trailers, and I love having the short beforehand. So I guess the only thing I can really say they should have just taken out was that weird thank you message from uh, like Holly Hunter and Craig T. Nelson and Sam mm-hmm. Jackson and Brad Bird. Like to me, it just was unnecessary, right? I, anyway. Yeah, I agree. Leave that for the DVD. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and it wasn't very long, I guess, but it just made me think like, man, is this movie ever going to start? You Are know? we grateful that we're here? I was thinking back to the Coco reaction with having the Frozen Ever After, and I never saw Coco in theater, so I didn't get to experience that. But there was such a backlash to having a 21-minute Frozen film. Um, But I kind of get it. Like, we didn't have uh, our kiddo with us this time because he's still just a little too young for... But he would have been like, movie, where's the movie, you know? Like, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting, too. I think... Um, I was reading an article um, with uh, that Will Wheaton had had written about um, how demanding we're getting as an audience, and really these actors they they don't have any control over it, and mm-hmm. they don't owe us anything. They're just other humans living out their lives. You know, they don't they have no reason to say. Um, you know, sorry for not putting out a film earlier. So right. I'm just glad they did. So yeah. I'm very appreciative of their talents and mm-hmm. and sharing that with us. So, um, I agree with you. Omit that little uh, segment. It's unnecessary. Yeah. Any additional um, things that weren't quite up to our standards in this movie or <laughs> we we didn't enjoy as much? They are so high. Um, no, I think again going back to the technology um, that that has improved since the last film and that it changed the look of the characters. I guess because I'm, you know, I'm a digital artist, so I think, you know, that that change in that look was just really... Um, Slightly off-putting for yeah, you. Yeah, it was very off-putting, honestly. I just wow. like going, gosh, in those 14 years that didn't happen in the last five <laughs> minutes, I'm like mm-hmm. going, gosh, you look bad. Well, even the teenage, even Violet looked haggard. Yeah, no, she you know? did. She did. She looked she had bags on her eyes. Yeah, but I'm like going, you know, because now we're just seeing, you know, in greater detail. But mm-hmm. I'm like going, don't change it. I'm like going because you you established this very, very specific aesthetic, 
you know, just keep, I mean, you know, the technology has changed, but, you know, it happened immediately following the last film. Yeah. This, and yet the this, characters look different. Maybe this is that why, away, so maybe this is um, two different perspectives. So like you said, you are a digital animator. You're very good at what you do. So you have that visual eye. <laughs> Me, I'm an avid comic book fan, and so what I'm used to is a different illustrator on nearly every issue oh, really? of a comic. So uh-huh. you get those subtleties and those changes in the character look. Now, granted, if it's like an event comic or whatever, they'll hire the same illustrator for the whole run, but you do get you know vastly different looking hmm. Batman so or just, Captain yeah, Americans or whatever. On. And so maybe that's why I didn't think okay. of it as much, because I, I think of this as a comic book film. And um, but that's a really interesting critique, and I think it's very valid because I definitely did. I noticed Violet the most. She Gosh. looked she looked old. I just thought it was because she pulled well, her hair back. You know, like yeah, I mean she looks because I was looking. Well, if he looks like that, Elastigirl Girl looks the same. You yeah, know? yeah. She she looked the same to me. So that was um, that was slightly off putting. But those were my that was my only. But I got over it. So let's go sort around of. the table and do some rapid fire on anybody else that we wanted to mention. We have not talked about Sam Jackson as Frozone yet, and I really liked his character of Lucius throughout this film and him being that best friend that's willing to step up to the plate. And we saw it in the trailer, that whole scene about, like, you know, <laughs> come on over and babysit or whatever. But actually in the trailer you kind of got the hint that he was going to fight, <laughs> not necessarily that he's going to go babysit. So um, I really enjoyed that. I thought that that was uh, a good use of his talents. I loved his voice acting throughout all of it. Uh, and Frozone's just such a cool character, another character that could be split off, really, and we could, we could hear about his story. Uh, so that's my rapid fire. Love Sam Jackson, and uh, it's great. So Brett, we'll go with you next. Sarah Vowell, who plays Violet, and I became familiar with her other work. She is uh, a writer, um, and uh, I was doing research for um, a project in which I was playing um, um, Charles Gateau uh, in Assassins, Stephen Sondheim musical. And she and I was doing research. You have to be careful when you Google presidential assassinations. No kidding. Um, so I always Stephen Sondheim musical Assassins. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, I came across um, her book Assassination Vacation, which she goes through. Um, all the, well, the various presidents that were assassinated and kind of that does her take on that as a tourism. And I think she came through here at Springfield, Illinois. But anyway, so I was familiar with kind of her interesting take on that. So it was fun to see her work again. And especially this time, I think that her work is, um, she was a major character. And, um, and really, you know, she was the one who brought everyone together when they needed to, when, you know, those silly glasses, which, yeah. That was a little annoying for me, but anyway, uh, you know the ki- the the kids came to save the day, which I thought was nice. But yeah, mm-hmm. but I especially like Sarah Val and her voice acting for the show. Should be probably noted that Dash was the only change, right? Because obviously he's a boy that is kind of prepubescent, so can't have like this man who's now fourteen years older uh, play the same character. But yeah, all the rest of them were returning to their roles. But there was oh, also some of the I was checking the voice casting and there were names that I didn't that I really wish I I, I, I'll have to see it again because um, let's see because Isabella Rossellini is the ambassador oh nice I'm like going oh my gosh yeah and Jonathan Banks which when you look at the IDM 
IMDB there. Um, you'll go, oh my gosh, yeah, he does that. I love his character. Was yeah. he the ulcer guy? No, it was Rick Dicker. Which oh, is he was Dicker. Okay, no, that which makes is a so lot. so cool. That, it was so good. Totally. No, you know? I like that. And, um, and Barry Bostwick was the mayor? I didn't get that at all. That's great. Yeah. I yeah. like those little cameos. That's great. Yeah. Um, Vanessa, rapid fire. Anything else you I, need? I really liked Dash and how he was um, uh, played as this this little brother who's totally loving his sister's awkward pain and just <laughs> and just. I love when he's like excellent tap water. Excellent tap. Oh, he's just so cute. And even at the ending when he's meeting the the date. And I, doesn't he speak in like a British accent? He's like, I don't know what yes, he says, he but he says something just, it's just so typical uh-huh. of what a little brother would be. We're kind of being annoying, but still being super cute. Yeah, so for sure. Just great, uh, great all around. That family dynamic is something else. Um, maybe one of the last points I want to bring up this neo futurism, modern time thing really came out much more in this movie than it did in the first film. Because the first film, we got some glimpses of the buildings and of the uh, landscape, but we were primarily, we were stuck on that island for a long time. So uh, I thought it was a cool mixture of, like, does this take place in the 60s? Because there's outer limits on the TV show, and he's watching Johnny Quest, and there's a monorail system. But, like, it's cool that it's kind of in its own time. What do you think about well, that? Well, actually, Brett and I were talking about this, and um, we did a quick Google, and it's supposed to have taken in 1962. Oh. Because if you zoom in in the first Incredibles um, you, if you zoom in on his new paper, uh, newspaper, it's the Metroville Tribune. Um, it says 1962 on the paper. So. Which is fun because it's the golden age of comics, which mm-hmm. is, that's really interesting to me because, mm-hmm. like, you know, that's the idealized version of those characters that are do-gooders and they don't necessarily, we haven't had the gritty Dark Knight Returns from Frank Miller where, like, everybody becomes an anti-hero. These are just, like, mm-hmm. honest-to-God superheroes that you um, really emulate and want to be more like. So just a really cool time Which the government out. is leery of. They don't like that in this, which I'm, like, going... Whoa. Well, that's always a running theme. I mean, like the X-Men have had that, like Captain America Civil War basically built around that whole idea of this uh, superhero legislation. It's a, it's a good uh, trope to go back to okay. the well, but, but, you know, I think it's a, it's a cool, um, cool way that they went about it. So any last second comments on Incredibles 2? Well, my only question is, uh, do you guys think, I mean, given that the actors are uh, aging, do you think we'll see an Incredibles 3? Because um, the Underminer does get away. I know, again. So what do we think? Someone asked me that. I'm like going, so do we have a resolution with the Underminer? And I could just say he's. We see him. He's in it. I'm like, like I can't. No spoilers there. Yeah, they, anyway, yeah. No, they have a they have a possible entry that they could get on the ground very quickly now because Toy Story Four has been bumped um, from now. Granted, that's next summer, so it's very quick. Uh, but you know, they definitely could shift around their calendar a little bit to get it out sooner. I think that there will be a call for it amongst, I mean, I'm sure Pixar is meeting today and going, we just made $180 million on this movie. What else can we do? What else can we explore? Um, But I think that the shift in 
leadership at Pixar, with John Lasseter being out now, I think it'll be very interesting to see what gets greenlit and what gets moved around because uh, John Lasseter had essentially written the script for Toy Story 4, and now, from what I'm reading, they have completely thrown it out. Uh, You know, it's supposed to be this romantic comedy between Bo Peep and Woody, um, and my understanding is most of that script is no more, so Mm -hmm. that's why they're kind of going back to the drawing board and uh, talking about what they want to do for Toy Story 4. So I, they definitely have some room to put out an Incredibles 3. Do you want to see an Incredibles 3 that soon? I uh, n- No, I'm actually very happy with um, with this. And I don't always feel like films need to keep having... No, I don't, um, I don't think so either. You know, follow-up films. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that they, they didn't close that loop, which, you know... Part of me is just like, oh, he can. What's his name? Is it John Ratzenberg? Yeah. Is, he can just, he'll he can just keep showing up in every film and 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 every Incredibles movie. Maybe if they do continue to make him, like he'll always get away because they have to have him in their films. <laughs> but um, no, I'm okay with just let's let's just enjoy this for now, and see what happens. And see what happens. Yeah. Well, let's give it another week. See how. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I think. Um, I would be up for an, an Incredibles three. I would, um, because of well, well you want an Edna mode. I well, I want. Well, you want a yeah, I don't know spin-off. a whole one. Would it, would we be ready for that? I don't know. And the animated no. se- series on yes, and one of the Disney channels. No, um, uh, let me speak. If the you new are Disney a fan, streaming service, there you go. Oh, you, please, you just found their uh, yeah. animated series. Oh, when does that happen? I want twenty nineteen, to... right? Because the contract with Netflix ends at the end of this year, I think. Thank you for that. Okay, yeah. something to look forward to. I'll put it on my calendar. Um, if again, if I may go back to the soundtrack. Um, if you're a fan of the first one, stay through all the credits. If you oh have, yeah, if you I'm so glad you listen that. to all of this without going to see it yet or anyway. Um, but yeah, I love the whole. I love the aesthetic. I love the music. The whole retro thing mm-hmm. and Elastigirl theme still plays in my head. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's wonderful from start to finish. It really, and I mean, start so start being. I'm counting everything after that weird thank you message. I kind of hope they drop that after the opening weekend. I don't know that they're planning on that, but what a weird way to start your movie. Um, yeah. So, well, thank you guys for breaking well, all this down. Thank now, you. My I, I had I had said at the beginning we were going to talk about where this ranks amongst Incredibles one and two, but I think you both have already answered that. I I am the one person. Well. Brett, did I haven't. I have. Di- I have yet, yet to digest that. Okay, so you're going to pass. I think so. I kind of like. I kind of like the, uh, the the James Bond sort of exoticness of the first one. This one was a little bit more real life, um, which is fine. But um, yeah, I, I like them both. Can I say equally? How about that? I want to. I want to hear you. Ah, so they happened right. At, it's one big. So mi- it's one big movie. It's one big movie. So to me, this is movie. to me this is the Godfather two of <gasps> Pixar movies. It's I enjoyed the sequel more than I enjoyed the original, and I think it's because oh, okay. we. To me, um, the villain. I enjoyed the villain more in the first because you got that backstory of him being this avid fan and fandom running amok now. Like they, like they were like prophetic in that fans, there are some awful fans out there right now that are forcing you know Asian American actresses off of uh, Instagram because they're mad at Last Jedi and all of that. Like anyway, so like it's interesting. I like the villain more in the first, but 
Uh, I liked the, the family and everything coming together more in the second. I, I think it's a better story for where I'm at in my life right now. And I, I would, uh, if given the option of seeing these two movies again, I would see Incredibles 2. Watch it as a double feature because it's really all one movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's essentially what I did. It's just like a little nap in between. And Vanessa, remind us of your answer to that I, question. I agree. I think the second one is is really fun and more fun than the first one. But they're yeah. both great. Yeah. I hate you both. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, thank you uh, to Jeremy as well for letting us steal full disclosure from you. We're, this was an exciting thing. So uh, we get to promote our own show coming up uh, on Beyond the Mouse. We are going to be doing another one of our special episodes in the early part of July. It'll drop, and we're going to do the Fast Pass Plus system. So uh, make sure you guys are starting to do research on that. We'll talk about what Fast Passes to use in each of the parks and maybe some strategies for uh, being able to use 20 fast passes in a day or whatever uh, I've seen on online. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. People get a lot. Well, they have those, those mystery, anyway, I don't those know how they magical do it, ones. But I guess we will find out on our next episode. Absolutely. And then we had teased uh, talking about Tangled in kind of a more regular formatted Beyond the Mouse at the end of this month. However, uh, Lou Hare and Donna Hare, who were on the Pixar bracket, Pixar Disney bracket, um, they went to Disney World, and they really both want to come on and give a full trip report of that, and we want both of them to be able to do that. Donna's not available until uh, early in July, so we're going to bump that to our July episode. So we will talk about a uh, trip report from them. They brought their uh, kiddo for the first time and see all about that and the magic of Disney through a kid's eyes, and then uh, talk about the uh, animated film Tangled. So looking forward to that discussion as well. Mm-hmm. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can always email us at thefrontrowmoviereviews at gmail.com or find us on thefrontrowmoviereviews.com. Of course, look us up on social media. Talk to us about what your thoughts were on Incredibles 2. And if you have listened to this whole episode, thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it if you go on to your podcast app of choice and make sure you subscribe to our podcast, but then also give us a rating because that is the best way for us to continue to be more visible to additional listeners just like you. So thank you so much. And uh, for Full Disclosure and the Front Row Network, I'm Craig. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Brett. And we'll copy it from Beyond the Mouse. We'll see you real soon in the front row.